he hasn't done anything either. No. going to be later on anyway it's a beautiful day for march <laughs> for march uh wow uh to to uh, yeah, i can't say it 2018 is about to uh slide away from us folks it's it's here and it's sliding away from us it's, it's march all right welcome to the george wonder jr show what do we have on the show we have author james Graden. uh and you know political commentary on the show as, as always making the world a better place one show at a time. My show will always be committed to that. Uh, that nothing is going to stop that. None, nothing is going to hinder that. 
Nothing is going to make me back down from that. Hate, lies, bullying have no place here, and they have no place anywhere. And if you got hate, lies, and bullying in your own house or apartment, you got to do something about it. You got to get rid of the haters. You got to get rid of the non-supporters. You got to get, get rid of the people who are losers and who are jealous of you because you are doing something and they're doing nothing. You have to do something. And this is a George Wilder Jr. show. And I talk about some of these things almost every day because I know these kinds, kinds of things are happening out there in the world. And, you know, to people who are close to you. And, and, you, and sometimes we don't even know this, this stuff is going on with some of our friends and relatives and stuff like that. And, I'll never forget uh, my friend, uh, author Anne Rule. Uh, she was a, I, I mean, she she has written many. I've told the story before. Uh, she had written many, many, many books, and she was one of the um, she was one of the uh, super authors of the day. I mean, she had great. A lot of you probably have heard of Anne Rule. She's passed away now. In her final days, she was in a wheelchair. Yes, she she was in a wheelchair, and uh, she was up in age. She was elderly. I mean, she had I mean she had done done so much during her um, early years, her middle age years, and and you know some parts of her uh, senior years. But she she was she was elderly, and, and sad to say she's passed away. All right, uh, get that through there. But uh, you have. Um, however, I I was reading a story not too long ago, and. Um, saying that she was a victim of elder abuse. She was a victim of elder abuse by her, by one or both of her sons. They were trying to get her money. They were trying to force her to give them their money, you know, a victim of elder abuse. And if you know anybody out there that's a victim of elder abuse, please report it. Please, it doesn't matter who the perpetrators might be. It could be friends, it could be family, it could be strangers. Uh, if you know anybody a vic- uh, that uh, a lot of times the older people will not say anything if they're being, you know, uh, uh, treated badly, mentally abused, physically abused, financially abused. You have to go out there and, and try to say something about this because it's an epidemic. I wrote a, a novel, a novel, a short story. Some, some people say, well, George is not a short story. It's a novel. Uh, okay, uh, called Elder Abuse and the Old Man. It's on Amazon. Check it out. It, it's it's a five star uh, piece of uh, work. Um, but however, you know, I didn't. A lot of people who read it think it was me. <laughs> no, I. It was based on what I heard and read uh, about the late Anne Rule. But uh, her sons were were trying to take advantage of her to get treating her badly, physically, maybe physically abusing her, but totally financially. They didn't. I mean, in court, I believe they denied all of this. But uh, there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there was a uh, the evidence uh, of elder abuse was just overwhelming. And I did a story based on that. Uh, but elder abuse in general is is an epidemic just like just like domestic violence i did some stuff on that domestic violence is 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 wrong and domestic violence as well as domestic as well as elder abuse is going on right now as i am on 
the air. You know, somebody is uh, uh, beating up on somebody, beating somebody down. Somebody is trying to abuse another person because they're doing a lot of, they're, they're trying to make something of their lives and there's people around that person trying to stop that from happening. And this is why we're here, trying to make the world a better place and trying to make the world aware. A lot of people are, are aware of some of the things that I'm talking about, but it's nothing wrong with trying to, you know, bringing this stuff back to light because it's happening out here. People are being abused by family members. People are being abused um, uh, in their relationships, whether there's whether it's a, uh, uh, boyfriend girlfriend relationship or just a husband and wife relationship or whatever kind of relationship people are being physically abused and it's happening all the time uh, I mean sometimes you see all these beautiful homes as you go driving by or walking by or just passing by you don't know what's going on inside those homes you don't know what the hell's going on they're beautiful on the outs but how they may be just they may they may be treacherous on the inside. You never know. Wow, that's a beautiful home, isn't it? Yeah, but what's going on inside? You know, is somebody being abused? Somebody being um mistreated? You never know. Do they have a hundred dogs and cats? <laughs> Whatever. You know, so you really don't know. But I'm pretty sure a lot of the song the home the beautiful homes are just as beautiful in there. Probably nothing is going on, but you never really know what's going on inside some of these homes. But we do know that abuse in every category, in every crack of the world, occurs against those who are vulnerable, even the disabled, those who are vulnerable. And people, I, I don't understand how, how people can pick on old people or, or pick on disabled or just pick on people who are powerless and enjoy it. But it's happening. It's happening all over the world. It's happening everywhere. It may be happening to you. It could be happening or will be happening to me. Who knows? Uh, and there has to be something done. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to say Congress, but I'm pretty sure that they have, they, they're just going to, I mean, with Donald Trump in control, I mean, things are just going to get worse. I mean, there, I think there should be a law or a bill placed before the president saying this is uh, uh, not welcome in, in America, but this guy can't even con confront Putin. So I'm hearing that uh, Putin is, is uh, has a missile, an indestructible missile that can rip America apart. And yet I haven't seen, I haven't heard Donald Trump say anything whatsoever uh, against this. You know, I, I think Putin is talking out of his butt just like his girlfriend Donald Trump is. So, uh, but you have to take these things seriously. But anyway, getting back to uh, elder abuse, domestic violence, it's all over the place, folks. And I'm an advocate uh, against both of those things, you know, and, 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 I, and I am, and I will always be an advocate against uh, things like that because it's just wrong. It is just wrong. Um, You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We will be right back. Let me talk to Thank Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every so. creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up 
vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No piece of legislation no bone that he may throw on policy, no regulation is worth cheapening the office of the United States this way. It is breaking us apart. It is not news that's breaking us apart. It is the President of the United States who is causing this news. So Republicans need to stand up, need to grow a spine, and need to reject him. They don't, I'm tired of hearing Republicans say they're disappointed and disturbed by something he says. You know what? When he invites you to the White House, don't yeah. go. When he invites you to dinner, don't go. Do not stand next to him until he starts behaving in a presidential manner. Go and if he can't, you've got to confront him over and over and over and over again. And, Governor, here's, here's, what, here's what folks are saying. Um, those comments today that were at Trump Tower, in the same place where he launched his presidential campaign in June of 2015, by saying this. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. So, Governor, you know, the folks who are his critics are saying he showed us who he was in those comments over two years ago. At least he's consistent. He hasn't changed, should, and people shouldn't be surprised by his behavior today. They expected it all along. What, do you take, what issue do you take with him by saying just what he said? The fact of the matter is, being a border governor, we know that we're not getting the best that what Mexico can send to us. We know that the drug cartels are down there. We know that the rapists are coming across, and then they go to sanctuary cities, and then they head back, and then they come back here again. You know, this is America. The American people ought to be protected also. And I'll and let you respond to that as, as, rhetoric. as a Latina. I'll, again, I'll again, uh, again, Don, uh, life is too short for me to respond uh, to something like that. What I will say is that it, you're exactly right. He showed us during the campaign over and over and over who he was. We saw him boast about sexual predatory behavior. We, we heard him attack Judge Curiel. We heard him attack the cons. We heard him attack Mexicans. We heard him attack women. Over and over and over again, he showed us who he was. But Republicans, so many Republicans, look, I have friends here in Miami who voted for him because he was going to change Cuba policy. And he did. But that's not enough. That is not enough because the harm he is causing this country is just too great to look the other way. And many people thought that when he entered the Oval Office, 
he would become presidential, that the magnitude of his office would make him change and become a presidential figure. Well, six and a half months have gone by, seven months have gone by. You don't change a 71-year-old man. He mm. is not going to change. And it is time that Republicans start realizing that and stop giving him a damn chance. He's not going to change. He will continue embarrassing us and making us feel ashamed. Governor, and, and Governor, you're okay with everything he said today? I am, I am, from everything that I heard, I don't have a problem with it. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of this rhetoric is all sour grapes because it's just continually coming through um, the networks uh, across our country. And he was duly elected. He is uh, the president of the United States. And for people to use some of the verbiage that they've used. Anna is a Republican, a long-time Republican, is destroying by the way. Our, I understand that. Now you lost my. I lost. You my said that. Uh, you said it's is, destroying. Is our president. We need to. Pardon. I was just trying to help you complete your thought. <laughs> it's just. It's. The, the, it comes across. It sincerely comes across that everybody's candidate didn't win, so they just want to go after the president on every little issue. There's code words. There's dog whistles. There's you know this and this that. I mean, my God, I've lived, again, a long time, and I've never, ever seen uh, part of our country behave in this manner, to this extent. It's over the top, and it's disturbing. And so many There are people who are watching, Governor, uh, who will say that they, they sounds like you're talking about Donald Trump and those people who were out there with torches the other night. Well, those are bad people. Those are bad, bad people. I mean, nobody's going to say that the Ku Klux Klan carrying tiki lights are good people. Nobody should say that. The well, president said that today. He said there were some good people let, let, let me just Let me just say this. I do not think well, you can ask any American. Wait, Jan, I don't interrupt you, so please give me the same respect that I've given you, which has taken enormous respect. respect. I haven't Every interrupted you, Anna. I, I, haven't, I haven't interrupted you. All right, great. Then let, me, then let me finish my thought, because I can actually keep my train of thought. Uh, one of the things he did today, by the way, was also come after and attack the senior senator from Arizona who is battling brain cancer right now. I find that offensive, not only as a friend of Me John too. McCain's, but as an American. I find it offensive as a human with empathy. I find it offensive for my friend Cindy and Megan McCain. I find it unacceptable. And if anybody is going to ask me to respect Donald Trump, because he's president, first I would say to them, tell him to respect the presidency. Mm -hmm. Tell him to respect the American people. Tell him to treat his office with the dignity that it deserves. Do not hold me to a higher scrutiny than you hold him. Do not hold me to a higher scrutiny when it comes to rhetoric than you hold him. He is the one that is dividing us. I it do. is not us. Believe me, I got over Jeb Bush years ago, okay? He ran a terrible campaign. If you think this is sour grapes over Jeb Bush, you are sorely mistaken. This is pain over what is happening in the United States of America, a country that embraced me and that is today my homeland.
Says he's now ready for gun control. Yeah, 
he's, <laughs> I don't know, the White House somewhere, he said that he's now ready for gun control. He wants stricter guns, uh, um, stricter background checks. He wants to raise the age from 18 to 21. But the NRA doesn't want that. Trump supporters doesn't want that. So I'm pretty sure Trump is going to back off that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because every time Trump wants something, uh, I mean, he gets his he gets his ass ripped, and then he starts talking as if he never said things like that. You know that that's the democratic idea or something. So it's and I've said this before. It's not what Trump says; it's what he does. Because what he says means nothing. It means absolutely nothing because the man changes his mind. He's, he'll go back and say he didn't say something or he didn't say it that way or we took it out of context. How can you take anything out of context when the words are falling out of his mouth in that order? You know, but, uh, you know, he said he's for gun control and, you know, and we'll just have to wait and see if that happens. I don't think it's going to happen because... Trump, like any everybody else in the Republican Party, he is bought off by the NRA, and they don't like what he just said, <laughs> you know. And I'm hearing, I'm hearing. Remember the Pulse nightclub uh, shooting? I believe it, uh, it was in. I can't think of maybe uh, Los Angeles or. Anyway, Trump said, uh, if if one person had a gun in a Pulse night uh, nightclub shooting. carnage could have been avoided well that's telling you right that's telling you right there he's already changed his mind about gun control he'll say something you know talk out of his butt say something well i think gun control the next the next second he'll go you know well well if someone had a gun you know it wouldn't have been as much carnage or any carnage just like he said he was running to that school unarmed where there was an active shooter a lot of people are saying, we wish you had a ran in there on our active shooter. And Trump did say something else. He said he he doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't care what people say about him. He doesn't care that you don't like him. He doesn't care that you call him an idiot, a buffoon, and someone who should not be in the White House. He doesn't care. He said he doesn't care. He said it doesn't care that he's hated by just about everybody in the whole world he's, he, and he doesn't i mean the guy's mentally ill i mean anybody else in that position would care about what you think of, about them and i think trump is wrong to say f off everybody i mean that's what he's saying he's saying hey, basically fuck off you don't like me fuck off so what get out of my you know uh as a politician i think it's wrong to say that he doesn't care that 90% of of Americans doesn't like him. I think it's wrong. And, and and he walks as if he doesn't care or doesn't give a damn about how the Americans are feeling about him and his messed up, screwed up, effed up White House. And it is screwed up. Because um, if people don't like you, they're not going to vote for you. So he should have some sort of remorse or some sort of uh, sympathy for himself that people don't like him. And he's talking about running again in 2020. If 85% to 90% of the people in America don't like you, how in the hell do you think you're going to win? 
you can't win. You got to have support. You got to have people who like you. You got to have people who who are uh, uh, like the things that you say you're going to do. Got to like your platform or what are you going to do as president? You got to have people on your side. You can't alienate uh, over half the population and say that you are a winner. You're not a winner. You ain't won a damn thing. But Trump is mentally ill like someone else I know. Uh, It's just crazy. You know, (laughs) Donald Trump is crazy. Uh, you have to have support. I mean, you, he wants to run for a second term. Uh, he wants to, uh, in the upcoming um, midterm elections, he wants to keep the House and the Senate. He wants to keep control of everything. You can't keep control of the House and Senate and the presidency if everybody hates you. They can't stand you. They want to see you dead. You cannot run a country that way. And Trump and Trump is saying, "Hey, you don't like me? F off. You can't stand me. Leave me alone. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do." That is not the way to run a presidency. And Trump is, I mean, hey, let's put it this way: Trump is just in the White House temporarily, and everything that this guy has done to hurt America can be reversed. Uh, will be reversed once we. Uh, get out there and vote and vote all these people out. And that's one of the things that I believe that the Republicans are afraid of. They are afraid that they are going to be wiped out in the 2018 midterm election. Even if Trump is still in office, and a lot of us hope he isn't, but even if he is, he will not have a Republican Congress. He will not have a Republican Senate. He will not have a Republican House of Representatives. They will be Democrats. They will be blue. And they will impeach him. That's the one of the things uh, that's one of the things I that's one of the things I believe Trump is totally totally afraid of of being impeached. They will impeach him. And they will they will try and I hope and hopefully they will try to reverse all the damage that he has done, like getting rid of Obama's executive orders requiring the mentally ill to buy guns. That was wrong. And there's no doubt about it. Donald Trump and the Republicans equals the NRA. They have blood on their hands. But you never hear them you know, uh, uh, say that. They'll deny it, but they do. And I've alluded to something. Uh, the White House is in turmoil. It's, 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 but Donald Trump will like, oh, we're okay. Everything's fine. It, I mean, people, there's a revolving door, door there. Hope Hicks, the, one of the president's advisors, she's out. Obviously, she's out because she, she gave a testimony to, I believe, to Robert Mueller saying that Trump uh, told her to tell white lies. And after that, she was dismissed. You know, <laughs> everybody knows that Trump's a liar. I mean, Trump knows he's a liar. The people around him knows he's a liar. Congress knows he's a liar. The American people knows he lies. But as I've said before, if everybody, you know, just stick together, get out there and vote, vote, vote your asses off, we can get, we can take this man down. He should be taken down by Congress. But the Congress is controlled by Republicans, and they are 
aiding and abetting Donald Trump. They are in the same mess he is. And you wonder what what Russia has on Congress. What does Russia have on Donald Trump to make Donald Trump not want to say anything against him, even though they're saying everything that they can against the United States? Now, a lot of people are saying Donald Trump is a Russian spy. He's a Russian plant. He and Putin wants to take uh, America down. And that's what Donald Trump is doing. He's taking America down. Treason. Treason. If this had been a Democratic president under a Republican House, he wouldn't have gotten, we wouldn't have gotten this far. He would have been gone six, seven, eight months ago. Or as soon as he was inaugurated, as, as Donald Trump was. And it is a mess. The White House is a mess. If the White House is a mess, America is a mess. We have to find a way to get this guy out, even though he doesn't care how we feel, which he should, because it, it it's going to tell in votes. It's going to tell in his poll numbers. And there's no doubt about it. Donald Trump is taking every other Republican down with him. I wrote something uh, not too long ago saying that the Republicans are the uh, party of stupid because so many of them, so many Republicans are making stupid statements, stupid accusations, saying dumb things. <laughs> it's pitiful. So I, I said, well, they must be the party of stupid. And Mobster Incorporated, Donald Trump as the godfather inside the White House, the, the messy White House, messy White House, White House, because that's straight up what it is. It's a messy White House, and we have to clean it out, fumigate it uh, in the uh, in the upcoming uh, midterm elections, 2018 midterm elections, because it is awful in the White House, and you know it, it's just. Terrible. Florida Senator Marco Rubio gave an interview with Politico this week where he explained, without mincing words whatsoever, that once the Republicans are finished with their disgusting tax cut package for millionaires and billionaires, they're going to help offset those costs by cutting Social Security and Medicare in the United States. Now, if you're unfamiliar with those programs, social security is the program that you pay into throughout your entire life so that you can get a little bit of money back when you retire. Maybe it's enough so you don't have to work. In most cases, it's enough to wear a part-time job and your social security money will be able to get you through during your golden years. You'll never be able to fully retire, but at least you'll have a little bit coming to you. Medicare is the uh, uh, program for senior citizens that provides Partial health insurance for some things doesn't cover everything. Most of them have to go buy a supplemental plan, but at least it helps them out to an extent. And Marco Rubio says that because these Republican tax cuts are going to, you know, add trillions to the deficit, those nasty little social security and Medicare payments are going to be drastically reduced because we've got to get more money to the rich in the United States. Marco Rubio wants to send your grandparents or possibly even yourself. He wants to ship you down the river because he wants to give more money to his wealthy donors. Grandma and grandpa in this instance are going to be screwed. They're never going to be able to retire 
They're going to keep working till the day they die just because they won't be able to afford health insurance and they won't be able to retire because social security will be cut down to nothing. And more importantly, Rubio is absolutely lying. During this Politico interview, Rubio told us that the main drivers of the debt and the deficit are social security and Medicare because the way those programs are structured is just screwing everything up. There are no facts in this country that support Rubio's claim there. None. There is nothing wrong with social security. There is nothing wrong with Medicare. The only problem with those two programs is that they don't go far enough. Marco Rubio is a liar. Marco Rubio is a human sack of crap. How about that? How about we just stop mincing words? How about we stop being polite? How about we just call these morons what they are? Because that's the point that I am at here. I am absolutely sick and tired of seeing these disgusting, worthless wastes of oxygen. People like Marco Rubio going forward, lying to the public, lying with a straight face, lying with impunity, screwing over everyone so that they can give their wealthy donors more money. That is what this about. That is what Republicans want to do. And that is the only thing that they know how to do. So grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, brothers and sisters, you're going to get screwed under the Republican rule that currently takes hold in Washington, D.C. But the wealthy elite, if you're already a millionaire, already a billionaire and have nothing to worry about, they want to actually just hand you more cash each year because they're hopeful yeah, just hand some of that cash you. is going to find its way back into their campaigns. Trump's been trying to figure out how to explain to the public why he doesn't care about dead U.S. soldiers. And his explanations are getting even more bizarre than they were at the beginning. Uh, in case you hadn't really been following the story or were not aware of what was going on, Donald Trump could not have had a worse response to the recent tragedy that took place in Parkland, Florida. Um, Last weekend, he goes down to South Florida because he wanted to go to Mar-a-Lago, but he decides he's going to stop by. He's going to see the first responders. And in that picture, this big doofus is giving the biggest smile you've ever seen along with his thumbs up because he's just so damn happy to be there, right? 17 people were killed by a weapon that should be illegal because 14 years ago it was illegal. And he thinks the smart thing to do is to sit there grinning like an idiot with his thumbs up, acting like he's done something great. Then he gives a speech about the issue, doesn't once mention the word gun, and instead says this is a mental health issue while completely glossing over the fact that he personally repealed an Obama-era rule that made it harder for mentally ill people to get their hands on guns. Donald Trump owns this tragedy every way you slice it. And he kind of understands that, I think. Because according to reports, on Saturday, Donald Trump, while at Mar-a-Lago, after golfing earlier in the day just a few miles away from where parents were burying their children, Donald Trump asked his wealthy buddies at Mar-a-Lago, what should we do about gun control in the United States. That's right, Donald Trump is not turning to policy experts. He's not turning to researchers or doctors or any kind of person who knows anything about anything and instead is asking the people who are paying $200,000 initiation fee to be able to walk through the doors at Mar-a-Lago, 
what they think should be done about gun control in the United States. What do you think, Mr. Wealthy Real Estate Developer? What are your thoughts on this tragedy? What do you think, Mr. Hedge Fund Manager? What should we do about guns? I know you don't know anything about them, but what do you think? How do we protect our kids? How is your money going to keep these children safe? Well, it's not, and neither is Donald Trump. He doesn't take the issue seriously. He is attempting every which way to shift the blame onto someone else or something else. Mental health issues, you know, there's not enough security at schools, everything. But the fact that this AR-15 rifle should not have been in a civilian's hands. And I don't think he got any decent answers there at Mar-a-Lago either because we didn't see him tweeting about it the next two, three days afterwards. He didn't say, hey, I just spoke with a bunch of Wall Street brokers and we together have fixed the issue of gun violence here in the United States. That didn't happen because the president doesn't take it seriously. And if he did, he would be out there talking to people who actually understand what happened. He'd be out there talking to the parents or more importantly, he'd be talking to the survivors, the survivors that showed up in Washington, D.C., the survivors who on social media are demanding that something be done because their friends are now in boxes in the ground. Think about that. There are plenty of people out there that want to talk gun control policy with you, Mr. President. Your wealthy buddies at Mar-a-Lago aren't any of them. If you're thinking about subscribing to our channel,
I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question, which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. Yeah, I had my first apartment, really my first little green American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was that I had this gun loaded with hollow point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times. The man who I loved more than anybody on earth held a gun to my head and threatened to kill me more times than I can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy love, a psychological trap disguised as love, one that millions of women and even a few men fall into every year. It may even be your story. I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Leo Burnett, and The Washington Post. I've been married for almost 20 years to my second husband, and we have three kids together. My dog is a black lab, and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. <laughs> so my first message for you is that domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women, that it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% of abusers are men. And domestic abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families. The last place we would want or expect to find violence, which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22. And in the United States, women ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny. And he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning 
was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me, that I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. And he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life. Which is why that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas. I would have laughed at you. Because there was not a hint of violence or control or anger in Connor at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase where I isolate you and I abuse you. <laughs> so I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream and out of this city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening and he told me that he had quit his job that day, his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me. Because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York. And my, my dream job... But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed, and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap. The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed. And the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, my life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. 
Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. It was 7 a.m. I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream. And he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded, and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after. Because I loved him, and he loved me so much. And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident, and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach, and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic, and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life. And the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview, I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask, because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship, after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. 
I realized that the man who I loved so much was going to kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone. The police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. Because it turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man. We have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who says that he loves me. Now, right now, maybe you're thinking, wow, this is fascinating. Or, wow, how stupid was she? But this whole time, I've actually been talking about you. I promise you, there are several people listening to me right now who are currently being abused, or who were abused as children, or who are abusers themselves. Abuse could be affecting your daughter, your sister, your best friend right now. I was able to end my own crazy love story by breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene, de-escalate it, show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful oases they should be. Thank you. You. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Okay, uh, White House pushes back on Port of McMaster's exit. Everybody seems to be leaving the White House. And the reason why I talk about politics so much, folks, is because this is our country. It's up to us to take it back from the crooks, the thugs, the mobsters, 
the godfather, Donald Trump, because they are, they're just wrecking the White House. I remember, I recall a statement, and it was reported that Donald Trump called the White House a dump. I don't think it was a dump then when he called it a dump, but it is a dump now. It is, if someone asked me from the George Wilder Jr. show to go to the White House, I would turn them down. I would not. Even if they offered me all the money in the world, and Lord knows I need it, uh, I would have turned them down. I, I And there there are so many other people who are quitting, jumping the boat under Donald Trump. People are leaving the White House in droves. If they're work, working with Donald Trump under him, uh, they don't want it because they feel that they may be caught up in this Russia investigation and they may go down. So they don't want anything to do with a rogue, corrupt White House. And they're quitting. They're quitting in droves. The only people that are staying around Trump are his liars, people who lie for him. And people who do not lie for him, who will not lie, who will follow the law, he gets rid of them. <laughs> and that's the way he is. He's a, he's a mafia boss. He's a thug. He's a mobster in our White House. And the Republicans in Congress, they're just aiding and abetting this guy. So we have to throw them all out on their asses. 2018, November 6th. We have to, people are talking about a blue wave, a blue tsunami, a blue something. Get these people out. And, and as I've said a thousand times before, we have to vote, get every Republican out of office. Because a lot of these Republicans are just plain old stupid. Stupid, stupid, making stupid statements, saying stupid things, unreasonable things, things. And you wonder how these people were, you wonder how these people got elected. They got elected because they conned, they lied, they were in the office. And then they became bought off and paid for by the NRA. Now, Marco Rubio is trying to say all the right things. He's trying to say all the correct things that I, I believe he's, 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 he's up for re-election this year. So he's trying to say all the right things that we want to hear, that we're going to clap for. But he's not saying that he will not take any more money from the NRA. He's not saying that he's going to give all his money back to the NRA. So in my opinion, and a lot of other Americans, he's just blowing smoke. He's just blowing smoke. If you want to really show us that he is committed to doing his job, he will, uh, uh, would break away from the NRA, but he's not going to do that because there's money. I mean, when a lot of these guys and girls, when they run for – uh, the House of Representatives, when they run for the Senate, they're not rich. The only thing they have is a salary. And beside a salary, they have that one vote. And that one vote is supposed to be the vote of his constituency. But it winds up. But that, excuse me, that one vote uh, ends up being a vote for the NRA because the NRA has bought them and uh, bought them. And in some instances, the NRA is the reason why they're in office because the NRA has packed their pockets with cash so they can run all kinds of ads on television, lying ads, and, uh, you know, and fill their bank accounts, you know, fill their bank accounts. Their houses are paid for. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of these 
uh, senators who have bought and paid for, they have four or five houses, you know, they have four or five houses, they have businesses with NRA money. Some of them have nine to 10 houses like John McCain bought off and paid for money that, uh, that came from the NRA, the National Rifle Association, that we're trying to get gun sensible, sensible gun control. The Republicans, they don't even want sensible gun control. Senate GOP rejects Trump's call to go big on gun and, gun and legislation. Yeah, Trump can call for all kinds of gun uh, registration, but it's up to Congress because Congress has the right to bill, and basically they stick it in front of him and he just signs it, it becomes law. It's up to them. A lot of them are, are uh, uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, John Cornyn. These are staunch alt-right Republicans. They're not going to uh, do anything on guns, on guns, and they're bucking Trump. And I would advise Trump. He's on thin ice. These guys can throw him out of office if he <laughs> if he pisses them off too much. They can throw. They can decide to impeach him. And my understanding, the reason why the Republicans haven't impeached uh, Donald Trump as of yet, is because they're waiting for the um, the special counsel Robert Mueller to get done with his investigation. Now, if my thinking is, if Trump is indicted, he has to leave that office. We cannot have an an, an indicted uh, sitting president in the White House. He has to go. And then if Trump, a lot of people are saying, well, Trump goes to jail or prison, as we hope he does, then we'll have Mike Pence. And they're saying that he's the worst. And I don't know much about Mike Pence. I could probably research him. But I would probably say they're right. This guy is sneaky. He's, he's, and he's not presidential material either. So he might be caught up in this Russia collusion or obstruction of justice uh, and other investigations that are ongoing by Robert Mueller. And a lot of the Americans are saying, a lot of us are saying, Mueller, will you please hurry up? We, uh, one of the things, I don't think Trump should be impeached. Impeachment is too easy. It just means, and in some cases you can be impeached, but not, but you can still be in office. However, if both houses impeach him and and some other things happen, he will be able to to uh, he will have to leave office. But as I've said before, as I've said often, I don't want to see him repeat impeach. I really don't want to see him impeach. What I want to see, I want to see Trump go to prison. He has to go to jail. Impeachment is just too damn easy. He'll just go back to Mar-a-Lago, start playing golf, and then trash the White House, trash America, uh, trash the Russia inquiry. He, he's going to trash everything and everybody. Going, He needs to go to prison. There is no other way for me to say that. Trump needs to go to jail. In, in, impeachment, throwing him out of office. Uh, it's not going to do anything for him because he's going to criticize everything. He's going to make it seem like it's everybody else's fault, but his. The reason why he's out of office is his fault. It's the Democrats' fault. It's it's Obama's fault. It's Hillary's fault. It's it's 
the people who didn't like him, it's their, it's their fault. He's going to blame everybody who is anybody, but he's not going to blame his own self, himself. He's not going to blame himself. So I would love to see Trump go to jail, go to prison. The guy deserves an orange jumpsuit. All right, you've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Remember to follow me all all the time here on Block Talk Radio. We are uh, uh, streaming live as of now, but the show will be podcast. And we've been talking about elder and domestic abuse. And I think those are two great subjects to talk about because things do happen in the United States. We're talking about the White House. We have to clean out the White House. And I do believe... If there is no shenanigans, and there might be in, in the upcoming elections, I still think that uh, the Democrats will get over on this. And But one of the things uh, I've always thought about, I said, if the Democrats take back the House and it, they also take back the Senate, will they have the balls to impeach Trump? Will they have the balls to reverse everything he's done? Will they have the balls to take charge? Because... It, because if and when the Democrats take back the Congress and everything else, the Republicans are going to go back on their hate-filled uh, tirade against the Democrats. I mean, they're going to be on Fox News shouting and yelling and screaming and lying and conning and BSing, and sometimes this scares Democrats. You're going to have Mitch McConnell, who would be in the minority instead of the majority. You know, he's going to be, you know, they're going to try and get back in power once they're out. And we, the people, know that they should never be in power again because we've seen what they're like. They're crooks, they're thugs, they're mobsters, they're gangsters. Trump's their godfather, you know. So I guess what I'm saying, Republicans should never be elected to anything and any office again and every office that they're running for all the way up to the 2018 election they should lose and you know what they have been losing they have been totally losing and i'm pretty sure this is frightening them but still in all they're going to be the assholes that they are even though they're losing they're still they're still doing detrimental things to our country and there are so many, there's been so many Republicans who have resigned. I think it's been about 35 who have resigned from Congress or is resigning. And you got people leaving the White House left and fucking right. And, you, and Donald Trump still has uh, positions that are supposed to be filled uh, in, the, uh, uh, in his administration, and they're still not filled. So uh, one of the reasons I, I think they're not filled is because people don't want to work for him. They don't, they don't want to lie for him. They don't want to kiss his ass. They don't want to be caught up in the Russia investigation in case if and when and hopefully he is indicted. So it, it's, it, it's just a mess in the White House. It's, it's <laughs> and I'm not the only one that's saying this. I mean, journalists everywhere are saying this. Uh, radio show hosts, TV shows. TV host, uh, cable news, uh, MSNBC, CNN, uh, everybody is saying it, saying it because it's true. It's true. The White House is in turmoil, but you'll never hear Donald Trump say that. 
You'll never hear John Kelly say that. You'll never hear Sarah Huckabee, Sarah Sanders Huckabee say that, the White House press secretary. You'll never hear her say that. But we, America, we know that it's screwed up. The journalist knows. The researchers knows. The people, uh, uh, the um, intelligence agencies, they know. We all know. Congress knows. But they're not going to say anything. This This White House is screwed the hell up. And we have to do something about it. We, the people, have to do something about it. And we have to stay conscious of Russia trying to meddle in the upcoming midterm elections. We have to stay conscious of that. Trump has not came out and demanded that Russia does not meddle in the election. He has not came out. The Republicans in Congress, they have not came out and said, Russia, do not meddle in the, the election. Trump has not sanctioned Russia, even though the House and Senate has passed uh, a bill that he should sign sanctioning Russia. He will not sanction Russia. He will not tell Russia um, not to meddle in the upcoming elections. And it goes back to what I was talking about yesterday yesterday on the show. What does Russia have on Donald Trump? I got a feeling we're going to find out in a few weeks because I, I I did hear that Trump will be indicted sometime in the spring. This is uh, don't don't hold me to that because Donald Trump is always tr- dancing out of stuff. But so I think uh, uh, with a lot of with with his loud mouth and his blabber mouth, I think he's dancing his his way into jail instead of dancing his way out of jail because there's too much on Donald Trump. So um, uh, stay conscious that Russia uh, could be meddling, will meddle in the upcoming elections because they want Trump and the thug Republicans to stay in charge. But I don't think, even if they, my thinking is, even if they, Russia, try to meddle in some of the elections, uh, a lot of the states are going to be ready for it. A lot of the states are preparing for it, for them to try to meddle. So, and even if they did try to meddle, I think the, I think the um, tone of Americans in America today, um, the feel of what's happening today, people are going to come out in droves and vote. Whether whether or not they meddle or not, it's still going to be a tsunami of voters. Uh, coming out for that blue wave in twenty in November 2018, November 6, 2018. And hey, yours truly will be out there. And I'm going to take everybody to the poll that I know. We got to get our country back. We got to get our country back from these criminals. And I'm not just talking about Donald Trump. I'm also talking about uh, the Republicans. And if the Democrats are involved in any of this, their asses should be voted out also. And and that's <laughs> and that's how I feel, and that's how the country feels. That's how most Americans feel. And I want to say um, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I hope you're doing great wherever you are. We've been talking about elder abuse and domestic abuse, um, and uh, and commentary, of course, always commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And it's been 
a drum roll? Can I get a drum roll? Ah, there it is. Okay. I rem- remember how Donald Trump used to try and mess with the Internet? <laughs> he tried it. Um, and they're still talking about it, you know, net neutrality. Donald is Donald Trump. I think one of the reasons why the guy is trying to mess with the Internet or messing with the Internet is because most people on the Internet can't stand him. And he's trying to get back at you, especially some of the social media like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. A lot of the folks on there can't stand Donald Trump. And they say awful things about him, put awful photographs up there about him. Um, and that's why his administration is screwing around with the Internet. I mean, he wants to be like some of these other countries, control what you're looking at. A lot of these countries, they don't have the Internet. They will, they will not let anything, uh, anything else come into their country. Uh, they, you know, and Donald Trump wants to be like that. I don't think Donald Trump will ever end up being a dictator, not in America or king, not in America, not as long as they're a constitution. I mean, he should go to prison just for that, for just breaking every damn law uh, in the, every amendment in the constitution. He should go to jail for just that, uh, promising to protect America, but yet uh, colluding against America. And there's no doubt about that. That's pretty, pretty, ah, there's plenty, I want to say. I can barely get it out. There's plenty of evidence of that. So um, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We have been talking about so much. And <laughs> it's it, we're going to be off for the next two or three days, folks. Take a breather. And uh, as I've said many times, the shows are, uh, the shows are, uh, podcast and download it. If you didn't get to listen to it live, you can always listen to the podcast and you can always take that link and do what you want to do with that link. Put it on your website or whatever. And um, all you got to do is live, leave a comment in the comment section what you thought of the show, what you didn't think of the show and how do you think the show can be better or or you like it just the way it is. You know, um, I mean, because, you know, this show is all about engaging people. Uh, you want to bring people in on what you're talking about. And uh, this is America. And we all want to take our country back, except for maybe a few dumb, uh, idiot Donald Trump supporters. We want to take our country back. So we all have to kind of be as one. We all have to think as one, because that's the only way we're going to take the country back. You know, so uh, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all family because we all have one goal in mind, and and that is getting Donald Trump up out of the White House. And uh, it's not gonna. It may not be easy. It may be easy as a piece of cake. But with Russia uh, uh, wanting to meddle or will meddle, it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be tough. So we're all on the same page here. We're all brothers and sisters in the fight to take back America. Help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. 
the black man if he struggles one more day. Never help the white man if he turns back away. Never help the man who kicks the man who's a crawl. Amazon, my writings, my books, my essays, all, everything's thoughtful. I want to thank you guys. We're going to be off for, you know, to do some writing, basically. Uh, I want you guys to have a great weekend, a great evening, uh, whatever comes first, weekend or the evening, have a great one. Bye-bye. Oh.